0: Chapter 11 of Lady Baltimore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lois Hill. Lady Baltimore by Owen Wister. Chapter 11 Daddy Ben and His Seed. But what was Hortense Rieppe coming to see for herself? many dark things had been made plain to me by my talk with the two ladies yet while disclosing so much they had still left this important matter in shadow i was very glad however for what they had revealed they had showed me more of john mayrant's character and more also of the destiny which had shaped his ends so that my esteem for him had increased For some of the words that they had exchanged shone like bright lanterns down into his nature, upon strength and beauty lying quietly there, young strength and beauty, yet already tempered by manly sacrifice. I saw how it came to pass through this, through renunciation of his own desires, through performance of duties which had fallen upon him not quite fairly, that the eye of his spirit had been turned away from self. Thus had it grown strong-sighted and able to look far and deep, as his speech sometimes revealed, while still his flesh was of his youthful age, and no saint's flesh either. This had the ladies taught me during the fluttered interchange of their reminders and opinions, and by their eager agreements and disagreements, I was also grateful to them in that I could once more correct Juno. The pleasure should be mine to tell them in the public hearing of our table, that Miss Rieppi was still engaged to John Mayrant. But what was this interesting girl coming to see for herself? This little hole in my knowledge gave me discomfort as I walked along toward the antiquity shop where I was to buy the other kettle-supporter. The ladies, with all their freedom of comment and censure, had kept something from me. I reviewed, I pieced together their various remarks those oracles especially which they had let fall, but it all came back to the same thing. I did not know, and they did, what Hortense Rieppe was coming to see for herself. At all events the engagement was not broken. The chance to be instrumental in having it broken was still mine. I might still save John Mayrant from his deplorable quixoticism, and as this reflection grew with me I took increasing comfort in it, and I stepped onward toward my kettle supporter filled with that sense of moral well-being which will steal over even the humblest of us when we feel that we are beneficently minding somebody else's business whenever the arrangement did not take me too widely from my course i so mapped out my walks and errands in kingsport that i might pass by the churchyard and church at the corner of court and worship streets even if i did not indulge myself by turning in to stroll and loiter among the flowers it was enough pleasure to walk by that brick wall if you are willing to wander curiously in our old towns you may still find in many of them good brick walls standing undisturbed and equal in their color and simple excellence to those of kings port but fashion has pushed these others out of its sight among back streets and all sorts of forgotten purlieus and abandoned dignity and takes its walks to-day amid cold expensive ugliness while the old brick walls of Kingsport continually frame your steps with charm. No one workman famous for his skill built them so well proportioned, so true to comeliness. It was the general hand of their age that could shape nothing wrong, as the hand of to-day can shape nothing right, save by a rigid following of the old. I gave myself the pleasure this afternoon of walking by the churchyard wall, and when I reached the iron gate there was Daddy Ben, So full was I of my thoughts concerning John Mayrant, and the vicissitudes of his heart, and the custom-house, that I was moved to have words with the old man upon the general topic. Well, I said, so Mr. John is going to be married. No attempt to start a chat ever failed more signally. He assented with a manner of mingled civility and reserve that was perfection, and after the two syllables of which his answer consisted, he remained as impenetrably respectful as before. I felt rather high and dry, but I tried it again. And I'm sure, Daddy Ben, that you feel as sorry as any of the family that the phosphates failed. Again he replied with his two syllables of assent, and again he stood mute, respectful, a little bent with his great age, but now his good manners— and better manners were never seen, impelled him to break silence upon some subject, since he would not permit himself to speak concerning the one which I had introduced. It was the phosphates which inspired him. Day is mighty fine prostrate wux here, suh.' "'Yes, I've been told so, Daddy Ben. On dis side of de river an other side down de river cross de new bridge. Worth visitin' for strangers, sir. I now felt entirely high and dry. I had attempted to enter into conversation with him about the intimate affairs of a family to which he felt that he belonged, and with perfect tact he had not only declined to discuss them with me, but had delicately informed me that I was a stranger, and as such had better visit the phosphate works among the other sites of King's Port. No diplomat could have done it better, and as I walked away from him I knew that he regarded me as an outsider, a northerner, belonging to a race hostile to his people. He had seen Mass. John friendly with me, but that was Mass. John's affair, and so it was that if the ladies had kept something from me, this cunning, old, polite, coal-black African had kept everything from me. If all the negroes in Kingsport were like Daddy Ben, Mrs. Gregory St. Michael would not have spoken of having them to deal with— and the girl behind the counter would not have been thrown into such indignation when she alluded to their conceit and ignorance. Daddy Ben had, so far from being puffed up by the appointment in the custom-house, disapproved of this. I had heard enough about the difference between the old and new generations of the Negro of Kingsport to believe it to be true, and I had come to discern how evidently it lay at the bottom of many things here." John Mayrant and his kind were a band united by a number of strong ties, but by nothing so much as their hatred of the modern negro in their town. Yes, I was obliged to believe that the young Kingsport African, left to freedom and the ballot, was a worse African than his slave parents, but this afternoon brought me a taste of it more pungent than all the assurances in the world. I bought my kettle supporter, and learned from the robber who sold it to me, Kingsport prices for old things are the most exorbitant that i know anywhere that a carpenter lived not far from mrs Trevise's boarding-house and that he would make for me the box in which i could pack my various purchases that is if he's working this week added the robber what else would he be doing it may be his week for getting drunk on what he earned the week before and upon this he announced with as much bitterness as if he had been john mayrant or any of his aunts THAT'S WHAT BOSTON PHILANTHROPY HAS DONE FOR HIM. I DARED UP AT THIS. I SUPPOSE THAT'S A SOUTHERN ARGUMENT FOR RE-ESTABLISHING SLAVERY. I'M NOT SOUTHERN. Breslau is my native town, and I came from New York here to live five years ago. I've seen what your emancipation has done for the black, and I say to you, my friend, honest, I don't know a fool from a philanthropist any longer. He had much right upon his side— and it can be seen daily that philanthropy does not always walk hand in hand with wisdom. Does anything or anybody always walk so? Moreover, I am a friend to not many superlatives, and have perceived no saying to be more true than the one that extremes meet. They meet indeed, and folly is their meeting-place. Nor could I say in the case of the negro which folly were the more ridiculous. That which expects a race which has lived no one knows how many thousand years in mental nakedness while confucius moses and napoleon were flowering upon adjacent human stems should put on suddenly the white man's intelligence or that other folly which declares we can do nothing for the african as if hampton had not already wrought excellent things for him i had no mind to enter into all the inextricable error with this teuton and it was he who continued oh these boston philanthropists oh these know-it-alls why don't they stay home why do they come down here to worry us with their ignorance see here my friend let me show you he rushed about his shop in search of distraught eagerness and with a multitude of small exclamations until screeching jubilantly once he pounced upon a shabby and learned-looking volume this he brought me thrusting it with his trembling fingers between my own and shuffling the open pages. But when the apparently right one was found, he exclaimed, No, I have better, and dashed away to a pile of pamphlets on the floor, where he began to plough and harrow. Wondering if I was closeted with a maniac, I looked at the book in my passive hand, and saw diagrams of various bones to me unknown, and men's names of which I was equally ignorant. mivart Topinard, and more— but at last that of Huxley. But this agreeable sight was spoiled at once by the quite horrible words, Nictisibido, Platerine, Caterine, from which I raised my eyes to see him coming at me with two pamphlets and scolding as he came. Are you educated? Yes. Have been to college? Yes. Then perhaps you will understand. Certainly I understood immediately that he and his pamphlets were as bad as the book, or worse in their use of a vocabulary designed to cause almost any listener the gravest inconvenience. Common Eocene ancestors occurred at the beginning of his lecture, and I believed believe that if it got no stronger than this I could at least preserve the appearance of comprehending him, but it got stronger, and that sacroiliac notch I may say without using any grossly exaggerated e- expression, that I became unconscious. At least all intelligence left me. When it returned, he was saying, but this is only the beginning. Come in here to my crania and jaws. Evidently he held me hypnotized, for he now hurried me unresisting through a back door into a dark little where he turned up the gas, and I saw shelves as in a museum, to one of which he led me. I suppose that it was curiosity that rendered me thus sheep-like. Upon the shelf were a number of skulls and jaws in admirable condition and graded arrangement, beginning to the left with that flat kind of skull which one associates with gorillas. He resumed his scolding harangue, and for a few brief moments I understood him. Here, told by themselves, was as much of the story of the skulls as we know, from manlike apes through glacial man to the modern senator or railroad president. But my intelligence was destined soon to die away again. That is the Caucasian skull, Your skull, he said, touching a specimen at the right. Interesting, I murmured. I'm afraid I know nothing about skulls. But you shall know something before you leave, he retorted, wagging his head at me, and this time it was not the book, but a specimen that he pushed into my grasp. He gave it a name, not as bad as Platterene, but I feared worse was coming. Then he took it away from me, gave me another skull, and while I obediently held it, "'pronounced something quite beyond me. "'And what is the translation of that?' he demanded excitedly. "'Tell me,' I feebly answered. "'He shouted with overweening triumph. "'The translation of that is South Carolina nigger. "'Notice well this so excellent specimen. "'Prognathus megadont platterine.' "'Ha! Platterine!' I saluted the one word I recognized as I drowned you have said it yourself was his extraordinary answer for what had i said almost as if he were going to break into a dance for joy he took the caucasian skull and the other two and set the three together by themselves away from the rest of the collection the picture which they thus made spoke more than all the measurements and statistics which he now chattered out upon me reading from his book as i contemplated the skulls there was a similarity of shape a kinship there between the three which stared you in the face but in the contours of vaulted skull the projecting jaws and the great molar teeth what was to be seen why in every respect that the african departed from the caucasian he departed in the direction of the ape here was zoology mutely but eloquently telling us why there had blossomed no confucius no moses no napoleon upon that black stem why no Iliad, no Parthenon, no Sistine Madonna, had ever arisen from that tropic mud. The collector touched my sleeve. Have you now learned something about skulls, my friend? Will you invite those Boston philanthropists to stay home? They will get better results in civilization by giving votes to monkeys than teaching Henry Wadsworth Longfellow to niggers. Retaliation rose in me. "'Haven't you learned to call them negroes?' I remarked. But this was lost upon the Teuton. I was tempted to tell him that I was no philanthropist and no Bostonian, and that he need not shout so loud, but my more dignified instincts restrained me. I withdrew my sleeve from his touch. It was this act of his, I think, that had most to do with my displeasure. And merely bidding him observe that the enormous price of the kettle-supporter had been reduced for me by his exhibition to a bagatelle, I left the shop of the screaming anatomist, or afropath, or whatever it may seem most fitting that he should be called. I bore the kettle supporter with me, tied up objectionably in a newspaper, and knotted with ungainly string, and it was this bundle which prevented my joining the girl behind the counter, and ending by a walk with a young lady the afternoon that had begun by a walk with two old ones. I should have liked to make my confession to her. She was evidently out for the sake of taking the air, and had with her no companion save the big curly white dog. Confession would have been very agreeable, but I looked again at my ugly newspaper bundle and turned in a direction that she was not herself pursuing. Twice, as I went, I broke into laughter over my interview in the shop, which I fear has lost its comical quality in the relating. To enter a door and come serenely in among dingy mahogany and glass objects to bargain haughtily for a brass bauble with the shopkeeper, and to have a few exchanged remarks suddenly turn the whole place into a sort of bedlam with a gibbering scientist dashing skulls at me to prove his fixed idea, and myself quite furious, I laughed more than twice, but by the time I had approached the neighborhood of the carpenter's shop another side of it had brought reflection to my mind. Here was a foreigner, to whom slavery and the lost cause were nothing, whose whole association with the South had begun but five years ago, and the race question had brought his feelings to this pitch. He had seen the Kingsport Negro with the eyes of the flesh, and not with the eyes of theory, and as a result, the reddest rag for him was pale beside a Boston philanthropist. Nevertheless, I have said already that i am no lover of superlatives and in doctrine especially is this true we need not expect a confucius from the negro nor yet a chesterfield but i am an enemy also of that blind and base hate against him which conducts nowhere save to the decivilizing of white and black alike who brought him here did he invite himself then let us make the best of it and teach him lead him compel him to live self-respecting not as statesman, poet, or financier, but by the honorable toil of his hand and sweat of his brow. Because the door of hope was once opened too suddenly for him, is no reason for slamming it now forever in his face. Thus, mentally, I lectured back at the Teuton as I went through the streets of Kingsport, and after a while I turned a corner, which took me abruptly as with one magic step, out of the white man's world into the blackest Congo. Even the well-inhabited quarter of King's Port, and I had now come within this limited domain, holds narrow lanes and recesses which teem and swarm with negroes. As cracks will run through fine porcelain, so do these black rifts of Africa lurk almost invisible among the gardens and the houses. The picture that these places offered, tropic, squalid, and fecund, often caused me to walk through them and watch the basking population the intricate broken wooden galleries, the rickety outside staircases, the red and yellow splashes of color on the clotheslines, the agglomerate rags that stuffed holes in decaying roofs or hung nakedly on human frames, the small choked dwellings, bursting open at doors and windows with black round-eyed babies as an overripe melon bursts with seeds, the children playing marbles in the court, the parents playing cards in the room, the grandparents smoking pipes on the porch, and the great-grandparents' stares gazing out at you like creatures from the Old Testament or the jungle. From the jungle we had stolen them, north and south had stolen them together long ago to be slaves, not to be citizens, and now here they were, the fruits of our theft, and for some reason, possibly the Teuton was the reason, that passage from the book of Exodus came into my head. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. These thoughts were interrupted by sounds as of altercation. I had nearly reached the end of the lane, where I should again emerge into the white man's world, and where I was now walking the lane spread into a broader space with ells and angles and rotting steps, and habitations mostly too ruinous to be inhabited. It was from a sashless window in one of these that the angry voices came. The first words which were distinct, "'aroused my interest quite beyond the scale "'of an ordinary altercation. "'Calls youself a reconstructed nigger?' "'This was said sharply and with prodigious scorn. "'The answer which it brought was lengthy "'and of such a general sullen incoherence "'that I could make out only a frequent repetition of custom-house "'and that somebody was going to take care of somebody hereafter. "'Into this the first voice broke "'with tones of highest contempt and rapidity. "'President gwine to give breakfast and dinner and supper "'to de likes of you for de whole remainder o your worthless natural life. "'Get out of my sight, you reconstructed nigger. "'I come out o de St. Michael.' "'There came through the window immediately upon this "'sounds of scuffling and of a fall, "'and then cries for help, "'which took me running into the dilapidated building. "'Daddy Ben lay on the floor, "'and a thick young savage was kicking him, in some remarkable way i thought of the solidity of their heads and before the assailant even knew that he had a witness i sped forward aiming my kettle supporter and with its sharp brass edge i dealt him a crack over his shin with astonishing accuracy it was a dismal howl that he gave and as he turned he got from me another crack upon the other shin i had no time to be alarmed at my deed or i think that i should have been very much so i am a man above all of peace and physical encounters are peculiarly abhorrent to me, but so far from assailing me, the thick young savage, with the single muttered remark, He hit me fuss, got himself out of the house with the most agreeable rapidity. Daddy Ben sat up, and his first inquiry greatly reassured me as to his state. He stared at my paper bundle. You done make him holler wid dat, suh. I showed him the kettle supporter through a rent in its wrapping and I assisted him to stand upright. His injuries proved fortunately to be slight, although I may say here that the shock to his ancient body kept him away for a few days from the churchyard, and when I began to talk to him about the incident, he seemed unwilling to say much in answer to my questions, and when I offered to accompany him to where he lived, he declined altogether, assuring me that it was close, and that he could walk there as well as if nothing had happened to him. But upon my asking him if I was on the right way to the carpenter's shop, he looked at me curiously. "'No use you gwine dab, sir. Dat shop close up. He not walkin' dis week, and dat why fo' I jaw him just now when you come in and stop him.' "'He de carpenter, my grandson, Chaz Coatesworth End of Chapter 11 Recording by Lois Hill Cami, Idaho